Hey. Hey, Merritt. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? The first time that we are talking tonight, like this is totally not staged or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it sounds, everything sounds great. So I heard someone told me that you were in Providence over the holidays. Yes, I was. Mm -hmm. Um, my, My partner lives there. So I... I spent my holiday over there. It's nice and quiet, unlike New York. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. It's like it's such a like weird and interesting place. Um, I, I just like I mean, I, I did some work there, but then I was also just walking around, going to the mall by myself and taking in everything. Um eating a lot of new vegan foods that aren't quite as expensive as they are in the city. So that was Uh nice. That's exciting. Um, Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a vegan. I just kind of treat it like some, I don't know, um, (laughs) new cuisine. Like if I was, I don't know, trying some like foreign food or something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, oh, vegans. It's so exotic. Like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) like what is this like exotic like like skinny white man with a beard going to make me i'm so like hmm (laughs) i think the best vegan food i've had has been uh jamaican vegan food they do it best oh my god i hadn't even heard of it oh yeah no they're like the masters and it's not like punk house vegan punk house vegan is like bottom of the barrel yeah um let me just like overspice everything <laughs> and still make it taste bland. No, the uh, the Jamaicans do it best, I got to say. So did you go to a Jamaican vegan restaurant in Providence? <laughs> no, I uh, I live in I live in Crown Heights in New York. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a few of them over here. Um, this time around, I guess like in Providence, I've just uh, I've tried more, I, I frequented some other, I guess, ritzy white owned establishments, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which makes it all the more exotic for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Providence uh, is a very exotic place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's funny. I'm, I'm sure that like, you know, upper middle class white people are not accustomed to being called exotic, but they are to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I digress. Um, I love Providence. It's a really lovely place. And uh, I learned a lot in the 10 days that I spent there. Mm -hmm. What did you learn on your Providence vacation? (laughs) Um, Well, I, I go there like every once in a while. Um, my my partner Joey is in this band called Downtown Boys and they have like a they operate in this really awesome um like DIY scene over there um lots of lots of people of color involved lots of lots of teens as well as like you know people who have been making punk music forever um by by forever i mean like decades you know mm-hmm. i don't want to make them sound like, I don't know, (laughs) like fossils, but yeah. Um, it's, it's like a very, it's a varied group of people, you know? Um, 
And so when I was there, um, I was, I, I just like went to a bunch of shows there. Um, one show I, I got to get up and sing with a, this at the drive-in cover band and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like Joey and I's like favorite band, one of our favorite bands. Um, and, and Joey, Joey actually played this like solo. He has a solo project called La Neve and, um, it's like, a this like Italo disco drag project. And, um, he opened for the, at the drive-in cover band and it was, it was just like the most perfect show. Um, you know, lots of like, just like just characters, you know, in, in the room, like all screaming along with the songs. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I like, I like small quirky scenes, I guess. Like in, in New York, it's just, I experience a lot of the opposite. Um, we, we have our own like weird music and comic scenes here. I mean, it's like, it's plural scenes, um, in, in New York, uh, but uh, in Providence, it's it's nice. I get to see a lot of a lot of people that I that I like, and everyone gets to be as like weird as they want to be. Whereas I feel like New York, I think what inhibits a lot of people is kind of like be, being a little too um, attentive to like social capital. Um, just I don't know, being more sensitive to how. Mm. Mm-hmm. How much they let their freak flags fly? I now, guess now, uh, now I, I, I for one have never associated New York with social climbing or, uh, <laughs> or like stratification or like taste based class systems, and so I feel like that's a gross mis- mischaracterization of a very welcoming <laughs> and open and non stratified community. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm like, I'm talking an awful lot of shit for somebody who like moved to New York from Florida almost 10 years ago. But (laughs) Um, so you were saying earlier, though, that you um, that you sometimes like the city gets to you. Um, So like, do you see yourself moving anytime soon? Or is it like just somewhere that you need to like escape from every once in a while? I, I have a feeling that I, I think it's just out of habit that I constantly have to escape the, my, my environment. Um, I was thinking about it. Like, actually I've lived in New York longer than I've lived in any other city at this Mm. point. Um, which is very interesting. Uh, I grew up in Florida and lived in Miami for almost nine years, lived in Jacksonville in North Florida for six years. And, um, I mean, I, I was born in New Jersey, so I feel like a little bit of, I, I, I feel like I'm in my natural, um, habitat in the Northeast kind of, but not really. Like I still, I still miss the tropics sometimes, but when I lived in Florida, like I, I was actually in Girl Scouts and I would. When, like, I mean, up until I was like 18, I was in Girl Scouts and we would go camping like every other weekend. Um, I really just like 
I, I like leaving my comfort zone a lot. Um, I don't know why it just like has always given me some perspective. Um, when I, I was in college, I was on debate team and one of the reasons why I stayed, because honestly it was a terrible activity for me. I am incredibly emo and, um, I think that a lot of people in debate are just like sociopathic. Uh, I think you kind of have to be like, <laughs> that's another stereotype that I've never that. heard. I've never heard of debate team people or people who like to argue being sociopathic. That's just, I don't know where you get that's these, a- these ideas. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, <laughs> wow. I'm talking so much shit. In this episode. <laughs> no, please, um, please. This is a safe space for talking shit, please. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to take advantage of that. But yes. but yeah, when I was in debate team, like we would go to tournaments every weekend. Like we would leave the, the city all the time. And I don't know what it is. I like being on the road. I like I like buses. I like trains. I've always felt, uh, I don't know. I, I like being in transit, I guess, all the time. There's something romantic about, a, about like traveling. Um yeah. And I don't think that's like, yeah, I'm not claiming that that's a unique observation. Like, I think that's something that people have written about for forever. But like, there's something about spaces like airports or like highway stops or all these things that like makes you feel like open to possibility, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's a, that's really at like the core of my the core of my being really is just in, in constant flux, you know? Um, I think something that I've been talking about a lot, uh, especially, I mean, in the context of like music, uh, as I'm a music writer, um, and I, I write about a lot of Latin music and I'm, I'm Latina. And one thing that has been called into question is like, you know, what, what does it even mean? That's something I've been talking about a lot with other, um, Latinx people and like other music writers is just like, where, where do we, how do we define this thing? That's like, um, it's, how do you even define like a huge group of people based on like just geography, you know, Mm -hmm. like the fact that it's all like, or, or just by, by who colonized this like massive and diverse group of people in the Western hemisphere. Um, you know, I, I don't even know what being Latina like means. It it just changes like every day. Um, and it's been this way for my whole life, you know, um, like being born in the States, having an immigrant family, being kind of like in between, um, spaces, and having having to like code switch sometimes it's it's like interesting how that ties to where i'm actually comfortable and i have been trying to think more deeply about it um than just saying okay i'm you know i'm latina like <laughs> i love my identity <laughs> um which is true. I do. I just like, I, I have always been trying to, uh, understand what, what the concept of home is for me and 
right now, the best answer I can come up with is just in between places all of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that a lot of other Latinas can like relate to that. And just thinking about how much I've been like traveling, especially in the last couple of years, I've like gone to festivals. I've like gone to see my family, um, in, in Belize and, you know, been, I, I've just been like exploring a lot of different places, but I think one of my, some of my favorite moments have been like in transit, you know, just because it, it kind of knocked me off my equilibrium. I, I think that's what I like about it is that I have to constantly get, um, I have to constantly, I guess, reorient myself only to have to do it all over again the next time I, I go somewhere else or, or whenever I come home. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, totally. It also, like, calls to mind a lot of the stuff um, in, like, books like, um, have you read Borderlands, La Frontera? Oh yeah, yeah, Gloria and Saldua. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, you know, and especially, I, I think it also speaks to like being being queer in a lot of ways. Like I think that even uh, with that book, and also Sherry Moraga, like they, mm-hmm. you know, they're like queer Latina women. I think they speak to like a multitude of experiences that like many different people can access, and just just feeling neither here nor there. Um, I think that's, that's just such a, that, that feeling is just so central to my, um, to my life, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I think that feeling like can be really like exhilarating or like powerful. And then the flip side is that it can also be. Uh, alienating right or it can feel Mm -hmm. like it can feel like you have to devote so much energy to this work that other people never have to deal with (laughs) Um, yeah so it's like both of those things and being able to see it or being able to experience it even just some of the time as as like an energizing force I think is something that's really powerful Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I especially after like these conversations about you know, the, the like Latinx diaspora, uh, (laughs) just like how, how many different things like the, the word Latin can mean like, um, and I, I revisit this topic in my head, like all of the time, you know, it's only, um, and, and even like every, every few months I like talk about it on Twitter. Um, but it's, it's a constant in my head. And I think that, um, you know, today it's, I I was just thinking like, I, I guess like this year I'm just making peace with the fact that I may never find like a, a fixed home for myself. Um, I think, I think that, you know, uh, I maybe I am like, you know, the only home that I have. Um, I think that, or, or maybe maybe there's yet to be like a home for me, but I'm I'm not going to like stress out too much anymore if I just if I don't find it because I realize you know as we were saying a few minutes ago I just 
I kind of realize how comfortable I am when I'm like on, on the move or, um, just in, in transit, I, I feel like most reflective and, and peaceful when I'm on my way to someplace else. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's funny how I wonder if people who have had to become used to that sensation in like psychological or like social ways are more likely to feel like warmly towards physical traveling and like physical like a transit um because i remember reading some some work like back when i was in grad school about how being in transit like in airports or or places like that is like a very unnerving experience for some people and like there is this need to sort of like um like maintain one's bodily and like um emotional boundaries in a heightened kind of way um Mm -hmm. which is like i think the paper i was reading was like positing that that's why there were more like um confrontations in uh, airport bathrooms because people felt like the need to sort of like enforce that that um their sense of selves more strongly by by sort of putting that on other people um and so i wonder if like if that has to do with like if you have been made to feel like you have a home and like if you've never have really had to question that very much then um then those experiences are very unsettling for you because you have no experience uh dealing with with that that feeling Mm mm-hmm that's interesting that you that you bring that up. Um, yeah, airports are <laughs> airports <laughs> are really strange. They're also like sites of major trauma. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I think the kind of trauma people go through is like, it, it, you know, it varies. Um, sure. Yeah. I. Yeah, I can't say I'm always comfortable at an airport. <laughs> like I said, I did shout out buses and trains. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you don't have as much of that like surveillance no, culture. No, you really at, don't. Or, like, oppression through surveillance. Um, oppression through customs. Yeah. Uh, I I've personally had like a terrible time traveling uh, traveling to England. I've like talked about this with people before, but like I, (laughs) I've been there twice Mm -hmm. and both times I had to be like detained in a little room, um, because they couldn't figure out like what, like what ethnicity I was. (laughs) It was, it was very much like it was very racially ethnically charged. Um, those were both very racially charged mornings for me because I, you know, having to like fly into Heathrow and having to sit in a room for hours and get grilled by, by some like, I don't know, rugby looking fucker being like, (laughs) where are you from? Where's, where are your parents from? Like, you know, (laughs) why are you here? What, 
what language do you speak at home? You know, like <sighs> stuff like that. Um, yeah, I can't say airports have been the friendliest. Um, mm-hmm, there are mm-hmm. so many people who get fucked with in airports. Oh, absolutely. I have friends like who, yeah, I feel like the number of my friends who have had problems at airports, like either because, um, because they've just been flagged for being brown or because they've been flagged for being trans or like all these reasons, um, that like, I don't know, in the past I've felt like, hey, airports are really good, like they're really terrible. And because of that, because they're terrible for so many people, they're like a really good site for coalition building between all of these (laughs) divergent groups. Like, because like those apparatuses of security target people in different, but kind of like related ways that I feel Mm -hmm. like could really like, could be in conversation with one another. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's worth like, you know, um, I, I think that it's worth um, you know when when people talk about like uh, or I, I guess like you're you're hearing a lot about um, many different people of color getting kicked off of flights mm-hmm. um, you know for for speaking for speaking Arabic or you know just for not putting up with some like shitty, anti-black person that they have to be seated next to, you know, like not, um, or, or, you know, people getting molested at like, you know, by the TSA, like I, I've, I've seen, I've witnessed some, like a couple of shitty situations while flying and I've, I've flown a lot in my life. And, um, you know, what I do like is, when people like will stick up for other people in, in airports, it's not super common, but I do appreciate it. And, um, you know, I will try, you know, however I can to stick up for people. If I saw, if I see somebody getting like, you know, um, groped or like, getting harassed off of a plane, you know, I think, I think it's important for like, you know, when, when we talk about stuff like racial profiling to also talk about, um, profiling trans people, uh, or at least like the, the assault of like trans people on, on flights. Like, I think we have to, um, connect the two or at least like make, make these connections and have, you know, include all of these things in, in a dialogue about, about surveillance. Um, I guess that's, that's another complicated thing about being a person who's constantly in flux or in transit is like, uh, you never, you never know how you're going to be received, I guess, at your destination or like, um, one thing about being like on the move a lot is just how to even is, is the fact that like, maybe for example, like maybe I can take solace in not being easy to define sometimes, but I think that really it's really jarring for some people. For some people, it's important to know like where, where you stand, you know, like when somebody might ask me like, you know, where are you from? I think they're, I think they're for one trying to figure out how to treat me, mm-hmm. but also like trying to figure out like how, where I am like in relation to them, you know? Mm. Um, and it comes out of this like fear, um, that I, I think like everybody has some, level of fear 
um, with regards to like people who are different from them, but it, it does, um, I don't know, it, it manifests in some really ugly ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like reminded too of, um, oh God, I can't remember her name. Um, Mary something, um, purity and danger. I'm just going to look it up real quick. Mary Douglas, <laughs> um, who wrote this book called Purity and Danger, which is basically about the ways that like taboo in different societies functions to like present, to prevent like the idea of like contamination or like pollution. And um, in like in contemporary American society, like I think there is um, like you mentioned that people fear people who are different from them. And I think, Additionally, like people really fear like people who they don't know if are different from them or not Mm -hmm. um, because they don't know where they stand then. And for some people, that's like a deeply unsettling place to be. Mm -hmm. And like, so I think you're totally right. Like that question of like, like where are you from is like definitely it's like one of many like efforts people make to like sort of ascertain like, okay, even like unconsciously, like people may not even realize that they're doing it, but like it's Mm -hmm. an attempt to figure out like, what is the social, like what are the social dynamics here? Like, where do I stand compared to this person? Yeah, it gets, it's tricky sometimes. It it depends on like what, what mood I'm in. I mean, in in terms of how I respond to that, you know, Mm -hmm. like, there are some times where, where I know I'm just like, where, where I, some, you know, people confront me with that. And deep down, I'm like, I just know you're trying to decide along which access should, should you be shitty to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, how terribly should I treat you? And in what like genre of terrible should that be? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And other times I know it's like genuine curiosity and I'm like, ah, all right, let's see. Um, but yeah, and enough about, enough about me. Let's talk about, I guess, our, our adventurers in, uh, in D and D. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> other, other travelers and, uh, eccentric people yeah. on the move. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, I guess for listeners, um, uh, while I was, uh, in New York in October and November, we uh, we did a, a little D&D game that I was the dungeon master for. And uh, past guest uh, Eric Thurm was also a player. And future guest <laughs> and my publisher, Gene Thornton, was a player. And then uh, it, was, it was Susie and um, uh, Hannah. I can't remember her last name, but her name's Hannah. So champagne. Yes, Hannah Silk Champagne um, were all players. And it was your first time playing D&D, right? It was. How, like, how was it for you? Because it's like a weird, it's a weird thing, right? Like, we're going to get in a room and like sort of improv act, but there's also like some rules and like we roll dice <laughs> around and like, it's like, I'm curious, like what, what it was was like and like what you thought it would be like going in and like if it was different and in what ways um i was thrilled to play it 
such a good time. Um, yeah, before, I guess, like, my only reference points were, like, um, the, the nerds from Wet Hot American Summer or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the, uh, or, or, or Freaks and Geeks. That was, like, another one, another, uh, Stranger Things. Like, I, I only really knew of Dungeons and Dragons from television mm-hmm. and, and also I, I used to babysit this, um, boy in Manhattan and he and all of his friends had a, had a D and D club at school. And so I would like pick sometimes and they would still be playing and I'd have to sit there for like 10 minutes and wait for them to like defeat some creature. Um, but I, I was very intrigued and I, I always wanted to play, play it, but I, I was worried that like I, my time had expired, I guess. Or, or the opportunity just like would not present itself mm-hmm. on, until you put out the call on Twitter, which I'm very happy you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, essentially, I I just wanted to create like a, a character that was a combination of things that interest me. So I I, I had like a my character Zora the Rogue was a uh, um, was this anarcho syndicalist bard who liked to steal from the rich and give to the poor. <laughs> and, um, she had this, this wonderful, now I'm explaining for everybody else. Yeah, please. But, uh, <laughs> she had this rivalry, this, this musical rivalry with her ex-girlfriend, Aniko. Oh, um, I didn't realize that you had actually... Maybe I just forgot that because I was like planning on like there being some kind of like weird intrigue between the two of you, but I didn't realize that that was the 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 actual legit backstory. Yeah, I think that I think it did come up during one of the games. Um, I think that was before she tried to kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but basically, my whole thing against her is that yes, we we had a fling um, a while back and she consistently um where she she's a very popular singer who consistently would steal my thunder and uh i think like the thing is is that because zora was like uh descended from fairies like she could speak the fairy language and knew because aniko was also like part fairy or something like that like Zora knew that Aniko was only popular because she would pull some fairy charms on her songs. <laughs> like I knew, I knew at the bottom of it, she wasn't actually a very good musician. It was just, she was like manipulating people through magic. And that like frustrated the hell out of me because I was basically like, who is this poser? Um, also I, I hate her because like we don't date anymore. Um, typical some some typical like i don't know queer drama bullshit but anyway <laughs> it uh i guess like the my my story it, it the climax to my story was the point and nico tried to sabotage our mission um by trying to kill me with a bunch of giant spiders and we captured her or rather eric captured her and i got to sing 
this tri- triumphant um, rendition of Shania Twain's "That Don't Impress Me Much." Oh my god! Where it I was, was it was inspired. Like... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It was just like, everyone just started dancing and I was just like, okay, so you tried to kill me with a bunch of giant spiders. That don't impress me much. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, I think that was like the best, that was my favorite part because, because I got to sing. Um. It was like, (laughs) that was like top three moments of like the entire series. Like... (laughs) Oh my God. It was so good. It was so good. And like, I don't know, I had a lot of fun like DMing it too, because I feel like everyone who was in the game was like a very different kind of character. And like, I hadn't, I hadn't run a and d game in like years and years. Um, And it was kind of fun having like you as like this, this rogue character and like uh, Eric as like this, uh, I think fantasy Matt McGorry is how he described his paladin. Yes. And uh, he would get into <laughs> into situations where he would like be trying to talk to like a com like, cause he was like an aristocrat. He was like trying to talk to like a commoner and just being like totally blowing it because like he was like very like well read and like knew all of the right like lines, but like didn't know how to like talk to a human being. No. So, so awkward. And uh, it was good. And then Jean was the wizard who owned a bookstore, <laughs> which is a very good premise. And Hannah was another paladin who was like sort of a uh, a streetwise paladin who like come from from um, from the streets and had been uh, rescued by a priest and raised to be a paladin. And it was a very cool little game and like the thing about most D games is i feel like they don't actually end because like people have these grand ideas for stories that just like sort of go on and then just like people can't make it or like people drift apart or whatever and so i was mm-hmm. really trying to do something that like would wrap up within a couple of months um and i think we ended up doing like four or five but um I guess, like, it's sort of, so we, like, wrapped up with, like, we had, like, an epilogue, and, like, it ended with, like, you, like, running, like, an underground, like, zine press. Uh-huh. Yep. Our, uh, our secret radical zine distro. Mm-hmm. You were, like, radical zinesters <laughs> uh, slash, like, Lutherans, like, publishing copies of some, like, f- like, forgotten religious text. Oh, that's. That's right. The ancient tomb. <laughs> or, or is it, or is it tome? I'm like, it was, Man, it, who it, even knows? Who even knows? That looks like a storage space, <laughs> like a regular ye old storage space. <laughs> oh, there was a storage <laughs> unit. Yes, there was a fantasy storage site. And then we talked about how it would be really great to just make the game fantasy storage wars. Um, <laughs> which is like a very good idea uh so maybe next time um you'll just be sort of working at the fantasy storage units yeah that was it was good it was like uh it was a little bit slapstick comedy Mm -hmm. a little bit teen drama um yeah i i don't know i i i thought it was a really good lineup of of people a good cast of characters 
for sure. Yeah, yeah. And like, it was so fun to, um, to DM a game where everyone was sort of like really coming at it from like, what is my character going to do? Even if it's like not the ideal thing to do in this situation, like, oh, I'm just going to fuck up this social interaction because I don't know how to talk to normal people or like, um, (laughs) like whatever it was. So, um, and I was like really impressed by the ways that like you all found solutions that I hadn't expected to different problems that like didn't involve killing people um, because, like, sort of a classic trope of D&D is that players just, like, just stab people. They're just like, oh, yeah. that guy's causing trouble? Like, I'm, I kill him. It's like, well, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah. But yeah. there are other ways. Yeah, you can just, uh, you can always just, you can, we, we put on a lot of fun disguises. Um, Mm -hmm. we, I guess, I guess Eric adopted a couple of sons to do his bidding. He he did Uh, adopt a son to become his, his protege. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I was going to commission art of all the characters, um, from Carrie Peach, but I couldn't afford to. So instead, (laughs) as a compromise, I just commissioned art of everyone's favorite non-player character, Doris Cotton. Uh-huh. who was introduced as just, like, kind of a throwaway character who had, like, her three sons, like, her three boys, Cotton's boys, and they were just sort of, like, a very early, like, encounter with the party, but she sort of became a recurring character. And, like, and yeah, I'll post the link or, like, the picture that Carrie drew in the show notes because it's very good. Um, and I guess if people don't know, Carrie Peach is... um the artist who's doing the Adventure Zone comic, um, because she also did a lot of, she was one of the people who did like some of the earliest Adventure Zone fan art. And are you familiar with that show or? Um, not, not too familiar, but I, I'm familiar with Carrie's work. The Adventure Zone is very good. It's, um, just like these three, these three guys and their dad playing D and D together. Um, and it's very sweet and funny and just like, charming and uh it's um i think probably most people listening to this show already know about it but if not uh you should check it out yeah i will actually wait you did show us this video this youtube video of oh uh, yes yeah there are one of their episodes yeah um people have made um youtube clips like just like animations of things from the show um and so i think i probably did show like one or two while we were playing um maybe they weren't even relevant i just (laughs) was like i need to show you this now um because i'm the dm and the thing can't go forward without me so (laughs) but yeah it was a it was good times it was fun i'm like excited to maybe uh do something like it again when i'm back who knows yeah i would do it again for sure. So what else have you been up to? Um, you were in Providence. I guess it's been the holidays. Like it's been like a lot of things are closed. I'm sort of remembering. Like I don't I feel like I don't really have like a real schedule because I just sort of work all the time. Um, and mm-hmm. so like when I'm confronted with like New-, New Year's Day observed, like what's that? 
Um, I get really confused, <laughs> but like, what have you, have you been working? Have you been just like, are you back in New York now? Yeah, I'm back in New York. Um, I work at Rolling Stone. That mm-hmm. is my day job. <laughs> um, when, when I'm not being, um, a, uh, an internet goth, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is my main, that's the main thing I got going for me is I, I do work at Rolling Stone every day. Um, and yeah, I've just, I mean, like it, my year was pretty ridiculous. Um, I've just had a lot of work and it was awesome to go two weeks without really having to like do much, um, except publish some stories that had been on the back burner, um, for a while. Like I, I interviewed over the vacation. I, I published a couple stories. I interviewed, um, Don, who is this like amazing singer, songwriter, dancer, actress, like animator. Wow. <laughs> she does all these things. She like first, I guess her, she, she broke out when, um, she was on making the band three. Uh, she ended up being in that like all girl, like pop group called Danity Kane. And she clearly had to bust out of that because she's just like this amazing Renaissance woman. (laughs) Um, And yeah, no, she just makes like the most incredible, like electronic R and B jazz blend. It's just, she's got so much stuff going on and I just don't think the world is ready for her (laughs) still. (laughs) Um, but I interviewed her and she was really fascinating. I interviewed Hope Sandoval, um, who, uh, of, of Mazzy star fame and, uh, her, her bandmate, um, column. Oh, um, I guess is how you pronounce it, but he's, he's the drummer in my bloody Valentine. And they had a side project called the warm inventions and they're both really weird. They both, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for like, shoegazy indie musicians. Um, I mean the warm inventions is like, it's their, it's their psych project. They're like weird psychedelic project. Um, but I interviewed them and they're both so strange. They're both like very introverted people who just kind of like met at a nightclub, like in 1997 and became best friends and have been making music for like 20 years. Hmm. Um, And it made me think a lot about how a lot of my closest friendships are with people that live very, very far away. Um, You know, their friendship is like, like Hope lives in Berkeley, California, and Colm lives in Dublin, Ireland. And they're just like total BFFs. Like, I think they Mm. speak their own language. (laughs) Um, And I, I admire that just because I think like, I think that especially like growing up on the internet, um, it's, it's hard for people who didn't grow up on the internet to understand friendships that are mostly like, I guess, carried out online Mm -hmm. or over the phone. Um, I've always, I've always had long distance friendships and I mean, it's also cause I like moved around a bit 
when I was a kid. And so I, it's kind of natural to me and I can't really place my friendships on like a hierarchy, um, you know, based on like IRL or like internet friendships. Cause there, there are certain things, you know, that I might tell my friends who I've, you know, I might've met them maybe like, like a couple of times in my life. Um, and I might confide more in them than I might confide in like my New York city friends, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to blather on about like music, but, uh, <laughs> no, please. That is my job. I do yeah. it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something I know very little about. Like I went to a show for the first time in like, Oh man, kind of a while, <laughs> uh, like a yeah. month ago. And it was like sort of a punk show. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a thing. Totally forgot about this. You saw, you saw Flasher, right? I saw Flasher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really liked them. They were really good. Um, I had never heard of them before because I don't know about anything because I'm a baby who doesn't, who uses <laughs> Spotify just to listen to the Smith's greatest hits. And then also <laughs> the collected works of Run the Jewels. <laughs> like, that's all I do. Um, but they were good. Yeah. Um, and then I guess it was really weird because I was like with this guy and he was like, um, oh, like, do you want to go see my friend's punk show tonight? And I was like, uh, um, like, I don't know. I was, like, conjuring up images of, like, just really atrocious anarchist venues, um, mm-hmm. which, like, I'm glad that DIY venues exist and they're important, but also, like, can you not just, like, put stickers all over the mirror? Like, some of us have to use that. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, it ended up being at this, like, really fancy place in Queens, uh, whose name I can't remember, but it was, like, this really, like, high-end art space uh, with, like, multiple stages. And, like, they were playing on the small stage. And then the, some, like, a guy from Sonic Youth was, like, playing on the big stage later. Um, I ended up leaving before he played, and I was, like, never big into Sonic Youth either. But um, Was it Thurston Moore? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's okay. You didn't need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You didn't miss much. Good. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Team Kim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't really like tap into music that much, and like I'm I'm bad at it. But um, I guess it also isn't my isn't my job. But um. I do feel like guilt for like not being as good at music as like a lot of people I know. It's okay. I mean, you managed to follow a lot of our ridiculous musical references in, in D and D, um, such as when, when Eric Thurm came riding into the scene to the boys are back in town. Oh, well, Um, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that was, that was great. That was fun. I think, you know, you know enough. I wouldn't feel too bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know the also, memes. Also, you know a I know... ton about, like, the internet and games and, yeah, like, all that's, kinds of that's things. That's bad, like, though. All those things are bad. <laughs> it's, nah. Every Everybody knows. 
Everybody knows I don't know. Everybody has like some kind of knowledge, you Everybody know. Everybody has their own thing. And now I'm remembering a 90s PSA that probably was Canada only. So like no one is going to remember this, but it was just like for like kids helpline or something. And it was just like a bunch of kids being like, my thing is dinosaurs. My thing is like <laughs> playing the trumpet. My thing is like breakdancing. And it's like, what's your thing? Everyone's got a thing. And it's like, feel good about your thing. Um <laughs> and you don't have to be this your thing doesn't have to be the same as someone else's thing and it was just like this very like wholesome PSA but like everyone's got different skills and preferences for things and that's okay and like just you know take pride in like the thing that you're good at and I was like oh okay <laughs> I guess so I'll just be good at memes yeah I mean I don't know I think I think you're also quite like the 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 renaissance woman as I, oh. as I previously <laughs> described Dawn like I <laughs> You know, you. I think that you have a very strong voice when it comes to like a bunch of different topics. You know, like I, you know, I I love reading what you have to write about games as much as I like reading what you have to write about like sexuality and gender, um, and also like your your joke tweets um, are fabulous. So. <laughs> anyway, here I, I, didn't, am, like, I didn't mean to bait you into like I wasn't fishing I wasn't trying to fish <laughs> That's, I was about to say I was I was like here I am steering like the compliment train just <laughs> going full speed ahead <laughs> um, no I don't mind well you're very kind <laughs> yeah I, I don't have much else going on to be honest yeah I, yeah that's cool that's fair I'm working on a comic for um whoa Shh. I can't talk about that <laughs> um yeah no I'm I'm working on a comic right now for for this lovely new queer magazine you might have heard of it um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I'm I'm trying to dissect my both I think my my gender and my my sexual expression um and ultimately it's come down to the fact that I have always just wanted to be like a queer Disney villain. Yeah. Um, that's that's basically what it's come down to. I think that might have been like one of one of my roots mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> as as a queer woman is just like <laughs> like you know some people are like, "Oh, how would you how would you describe your gender presentation?" And me just saying like spam, it's it's not enough for me. I actually just want to be like a fucking like Corella Deville character. Oh my god, how do I always forget about her? Um, I feel like I've <laughs> talked about this with so many people, and also Jay Bearhat has a really good zine about this kind of thing, and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I mean like every Disney villain, like you've got Corella Deville, you've got that woman from the Rescuers or the Rescuers Down Under. <laughs> I can't remember, but she's, like, basically the same archetype of, like, this, like, decadent... Like, she's basically a drag queen. Um, Yeah. You've got Ursula, who is literally based on a drag queen, who is based on Divine. Divine. Um, You've got... And then, like, you've got people like Scar, uh, Jafar, Mm -hmm. who are, like, both these, like, very, like, super queer, like, kind of feminine, femme like racialized characters um 
who are like way more compelling than like anyone else in the films that they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's so many. I just, I think villains just have more fun, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I I don't know. I mean, of course, like the Disney villain, I think like the hallmark of the Disney villain is that it's, it's queer coded, you know, Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, all of these characters represent some, I mean, even, even the women, you know, like, like you were saying, they were like based off of drag queens or at least like Ursula was based, was literally based off of divine. But like, I think like the personas of like, of, of the, um, female, like Disney villains, they're also, there's some kind of like, um, like horror film version of femininity that they espouse, you know, it's, it's like a, It's like, it's like horror femme or something that I, (laughs) that I really gravitate towards, you know, like, and I love that they're all so like decadent and I mean, just like shamelessly decadent, um, you know, wearing like furs or like leather and all these things that normal protagonists are just not supposed to, uh, (laughs) yeah. Like, oh, those puppies, those puppies. Oh yeah, those puppies are real cute. I'm gonna make a coat out of those puppies. Yeah, I will take everything you love and make a coat out of it. <laughs> that is like, I I don't know. That's uh, villain villain goals. I, <laughs> um, yeah. I I don't know. I I don't know why I always like gravitated towards the Disney villains. Like like I liked the Disney princesses, but um. I also admired like even even the color schemes used for Disney villains. They have all these like fantastic like purples and and like, you know, they're they're always wearing like black and purple or like green, like maleficent being like green while everybody else basically gets to be white is like mm-hmm. really interesting. <laughs> Like she's the one, the one who doesn't get invited to like the big like fairy fantasy party, and she just happens to be green, in you know a world full of like porcelain fairies. Like I always thought that was so interesting, the way that they drew her. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm still trying to decide as I'm drawing this comic, but that's ultimately what I've come down to is I think my, like (laughs) my, my like aesthetic is, is like evil sorceress or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not when I go to the office though, when I go to the office, it's like very, very subdued, like twee sorceress. Um, I don't know. I, I wear like turtlenecks. (laughs) (laughs) and like i don't know winged eyeliner sometimes it i don't know um uh uh, okay um question real 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 quick um are you aware that there's a movie about the children of the of disney villains like (gasps) on a quest to like save their parents and mazda brani is in it and Kathy Najimy is in it. 
Isn't it, um, isn't it called like the, um, it's called descendants apparently descendants. That's right. That's right. And they have like baby versions of the villains. Yeah. Like they're like, well, they're kids. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. They're like tweens or something. Yeah. 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 I did. Um, I was looking for a really good purple wig um, for Halloween and decided to just skip it. I <laughs> so for Halloween last year, I, I dressed up as as Luna the cat from Sailor <laughs> Moon. That's really good. Um, yeah, but I, I was like, I was kind of like slutty Luna or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing like a you know like a like fishnets and like a velvet dress and choker like that sort of thing um yeah no it was great but I almost I was just trying to find the most perfect purple wig for this and actually I guess like (laughs) there there were some like child's wigs that were from this television series like where actually Maleficent's daughter Mal has purple hair and I was like, oh, my God, I want that wig. But then I was like, well, shit, it's like a child's wig. Like, I don't think I can wear that. But that's how I found out about this show. Mm. <laughs> but no, I haven't seen it yet. I, I don't know. I do still like I watch a lot of like kids movies. Like I watched Zootopia the other day. I I don't know why. I mean, I guess because I draw cartoons like I still watch cartoons, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, I, I love, I still love watching Cartoon Network when I can watch it. Um, I still watch old episodes of Sailor Moon here and there. So I don't know why I wouldn't watch this show. I would totally watch this show. It sounds like a good show is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so excited about that comic now. <laughs> I am stoked. I am like, so looking forward to it and i hope by the time this has come out that i have it and i get to look at it and um yeah and the rest of the world at some point we'll see it too yeah i'm excited to finish it it's (laughs) it's been a while since i've drawn like a proper comic um because i i mean you know that that was like most of what i was doing for a long time was like drawing comics and that's recently taken a backseat because I, you know, I'm like a full-time music journalist now. Um, but I don't know. I, I wear many hats and I'm excited to put the comics hat on again and draw myself as a queer Disney villain. I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> can't wait yes. to show everybody. So excited. Awesome. <laughs> well, um, do you want to call it a night? Yeah, sure. I'm, my my stomach is starting to get kind of rumbly, so oh no, better get dinner. <laughs> well, this was super fun. I'm glad we got to catch up. Um, excited about that comic, uh, and hope you could get some dinner. And uh, <laughs> just wanna... real quick, how is your cat? Oh, she is great. My mom is ruining her um, <gasps> by feeding her tuna and just like just being really indulgent um and yeah it's kind of funny i mean i guess like traditionally that is what grandparents are known for Mm -hmm. uh so it fits but um 
yeah, no, she's she's good. She's just hanging out. She's like been eyeing a, a cat or a uh, she's a cat uh, a mouse like that's possibly under our sink for like the past week. She's just like sitting there like thinking she saw something move. So Uh-oh. you know she's entertained. So it's all good. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find your writing and other stuff online? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as, uh, hex positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm also on WordPress. Um, my, it's my, my page is, is, um, you can find my page at Susie X, the letter X. <laughs> so S U Z Y X dot wordpress.com is probably the quickest way you can find all of my music writing. Um, but yeah, or just like, you know, look out for me on Rolling Stone. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, and I, I will talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks so much, Merritt. It's yeah, good to hear from you. You too. Bye. Bye. Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merritt Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.